Welcome to Cannabis Science Today. This is the podcast where we unearth the cutting-edge science on cannabis that's typically only found in academic journals and bring it out into the light. My name is Emily Feda, and I will be your guide as we converse with neuroscientists, psychologists, biologists, and physicians to learn more about cannabis as a plant and how it can be used as medicine. We are back for season two, and we still have so much to learn about cannabis, so expect plenty of new content on that. But we're also going to be having a wider range of conversations this season and talking about some of the new research on plant-based medicines and psychedelics like psilocybin, ketamine, and ayahuasca. We also have some great interviews with anthropologists, and we're going to be exploring some of the societal and cultural elements surrounding the production and the use of cannabis and other alternative types of medicine. Today we are featuring Professor Hinanit Koltai, who is a biologist and the head of cannabis research at the Volkani Center in Israel. Her research focuses on determining the optimal compositions of cannabis-derived molecules to treat different medical conditions. Israel has been leading the global movement in medical cannabis research since the 1960s. In this episode, we focus on Professor Koltai's latest research project, um, and she reveals what cannabis molecules have been most effective at killing and preventing the spread of colon cancer cell lines. We also discuss what cannabinoid or cannabis molecule formulations are showing promise in treating other types of cancer, like lymphoma, as well as genetic disorders like Crohn's. Well, let's start at the beginning. So I'd love to hear more about your background and how you got into cannabis research. I am a scientist in Vulcani Center, which is a governmental institute in Israel for agricultural research. Um, my institute uh, asks different questions related to agriculture. And me, as a scientist there for almost 20 years, as a matter of fact, um, have worked uh, firstly on plant hormones, and then I switched to working on medicinal plants. At some point, I felt that I would like my research to, to result with products uh, that uh, may be used as medicines for the benefit of people. Uh, for this reason, I switched to work on medicinal plants. Soon after, the interest in cannabis started to rise, and I found myself working on this really interesting plant. I really would like to hear about um, the state of cannabis research in Israel. So Israel has been a global leader in cannabis research for, for many decades. And I, I think it was Dr. Meshulam who isolated the THC molecule in Israel in, in 1964. So, so I'm wondering how much collaboration is there among scientists, cannabis scientists particularly, in Israel? Do you work together and build on each other's research? Or um, is there a competitive atmosphere? Uh, and also, why, why is Israel so focused on cannabis research? Mm -hmm. uh, indeed, Professor Moshulam was uh, the first one to identify, he and his co-workers were the first ones to identify compounds from cannabis, uh, THC and CBD later on. And definitely, uh, this ignites the, the ignites the research uh, in Israel and worldwide. I think uh, Israel is certainly a leader in uh, cannabis research, and I believe that this is uh, uh, because of several few, um, several few, uh, I would say, uh, events or decisions that were made during the years. Uh, one is the decision of the regulator, which is the Ministry of Health, to allow research in cannabis. You know, but in other places and other countries, the regulator prevents a research on cannabis, on medical, medical cannabis, 
and this really uh, lead to to difficulties for scientists in this uh, in this country. In Israel, the regulator uh, have um, really uh, understood the importance of research in cannabis, and it allows it. I think, and I think this is the most important factor in Israel that lead uh, that allows uh, advances, major advances in medical cannabis research. Mm-hmm. So, so is it just that the regulators allow it, or does the Israeli government give funding for cannabis research? Mm-hmm. Most of the funding of cannabis research is coming not from the government, but rather from the private sector. I think here we got this really, um, I would say, once in a lifetime situation where maybe where um, where interests are coming together, those of the private sector, those of the government, uh, those uh, of the scientists, science and of course, medicine. Mm. Uh, when interests are coming together, then there is a lot of activity, a lot of money for research, and advances uh, are, be- are being made because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like that integration between the, the regulators and the private sector and then the universities and the scientific institutes is really key. Indeed, indeed. So it, it sounds like your work at the, the, Vol- the Volcani Institute is really focused on determining these compositions of cannabis-derived molecules. So like you said, THC, CBD, CBG to treat different medical conditions. So in your 20 years of research, what medical conditions do you think are the most treatable by cannabis? So just to say that I'm working on cannabis, not for 20 years. I'm 20 years uh, in Vulcani, but I'm working on cannabis for the last six years. So mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, uh, definitely uh, the, the question that we ask is what compounds uh, from cannabis and what composition of compounds from cannabis are the active ones or are the, uh, or may become the optimal treatment for different medical indications. We ask this question for each and every medical indication that we work on, and I'll tell you in just a few minutes what medical indications we are working on. But definitely, uh, the answer that we get about the composition of compounds and their combination is specific to a certain medical condition. And just to say that I think that once we think of medical treatment, then the composition uh, should be specific and treat specifically the disease uh, in question. We are working on several different medical indications, including inflammation. This includes colon inflammation and skin inflammation. We work also on cannabis as anti-cancer agent. We work on skin cancer, colon cancer, and a, a colorectal cancer, and a, on urothelial cancer and glioblastoma. We ask in all these studies first what cannabis can really do and this can it can it really cure or or does cannabis reduce symptoms on it and this is uh, definitely a, a crucial question once you study cancer when you're working on cancer you are asking this question may cannabis fight cancer and just to say that when you're working on inflammation, then uh, even reducing symptoms uh, is, uh, is desirable because in some cases uh, the diseases are genetics and there is no cure, there is no, no uh, issue of curing, but rather 
reducing symptoms is the key. An example for that are inflammatory bowel diseases. Mm-hmm. Well, let's focus on cannabis and cancer. And I want to talk about the paper that you published called The Interaction Between Cannabis-Derived Compounds for Cytotoxic Activity in Colorectal Cancer Cell Lines. So tell me about this research study and what you, what you looked at it and what you learned from this. Colorectal cancer is definitely a highly prevalent cancer which may result, unfortunately, in many cases, in a, in a bad prognosis. Right. I, I read that it was the third most common cancer diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, 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 to, and to put that into context too for listeners, it, I also read that one in 21 men and one in 23 women in the United States will be diagnosed with it in their lifetime. Yeah. In collaboration with the mayor hospital in Israel, uh, with uh, Dr. Ido Laish, we asked uh, whether uh, cannabis can help and fight this cancer. We also ask if the cannabis can reduce the, the appearance or the, the, the formation of polyps, of adenomous polyps. Adenomous polyps uh, are, are even more prevalent than colorectal cancer, but are found in about 30% of the population above uh, the age of 50. Uh, and what is what is that? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean? Like for what are the health risks of that? Exactly. Some of the polyps may develop into colorectal cancer. So in, in many cases, uh, adenomous polyps are the precancerous uh, situation. Mm. So, the idea was both to try and fight colorectal cancer with cannabis one, and to uh, fight or reduce the appearance of polyps in the colon, again, using cannabis. For that, we asked the question that, uh, that I talked about at the, at the beginning of our interview. I asked what compounds and what composition of compounds from cannabis may have cytotoxic activity, activity that is toxic to cancerous cells, and also may kill a polyp cells, which are precancerous cells. And then we also asked what is the effect on the normal tissue. Because what we are interested in is a treatment that will be as specific as possible to the to the abnormal tissue. Right. And just to clarify, cytotoxic, that can mean killing the cell, like apoptosis, or it could mean preventing the spread of the cell. Is that correct? That's correct. Indeed. We looked at the ability to kill the cells, inducing apoptosis. But we also looked at the ability to uh, to uh, uh, to inhibit uh, the cell cell cycle, for example, um, and and by that to to elim- eliminate cell proliferation. So indeed, to to find the to first of all to identify such of cannabis and then to find the active compounds. We used several tools. Uh, one set of tools was bio- biological tools, which were the bioassays, biological assays, based on the activity of cannabis on cell lines and activity of cannabis on biopsies uh, of tumors and polyps that we have received throughout the years from Mayer Hospital. On this, we checked, first of all, several strains of, uh, of cannabis. 
and we found the most active strain. And then what we did is we uh, extracted the strains and fractionate the extract to find like combinations of compounds that are the most active. You can think on cannabis extract, extract as a pile of Lego cubes. And once you fractionate, then you are able to take, let's say, two red Lego, Lego cubes and, and three blue ones and, and two yellows. And then to find that this specific combination of Lego cubes is the best one to kill the cells, to stop their proliferation, and even to induce a, or repress genetic pathways that associated with fighting the cancer or cancer itself. So what we did again is we, we looked in this pile of Lego cubes for the best combination, and then we characterized their effect on the cancerous cells. Interestingly, many, many of the cannabis users are reporting uh, on the entourage effect, mm -hmm. which means that using the whole flower is sometimes much better than using a single compound only. We definitely uh, uh, put our efforts towards the entourage uh, effect, and, the, and, and we looked for combination of active compounds. Very interestingly, we found that in, 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 in one of the cases, once we combined components, uh, we got much more than just the sum. It means that when we combined one and one, we didn't get two, we got 20 in terms of activity. This in, terms, of, in terms of activity? Yes, in terms okay. of activity, of mm -hmm. cytotoxicity, of killing okay. this, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, we were very much intrigued with this phenomena. One, this might very well be the entourage effect that is being reported by patients. This ability of the compounds to work together and lead to much better results. But then, as I said, too, we were so intrigued by this ability of the compounds to exert a much higher response in cells. And our next question, also published in this paper, was what is happening in the human cells once they see this synergistic interaction between the compounds. Mm. And what is the difference between, in the response of cells to this synergistic interaction versus the response to single compounds? So let me ask you a question about the entourage effect. When you're doing this kind of research, obviously you're, you're learning that uh, it's these cannabis, these cannabinoids and the terpenoids and all of these other compounds in the plant are working together to have these effects. But is it also important to know what is the primary compound responsible for this? So whether that's, um, like obviously we know that pure isolated um, CBD might not be as effective as a high CBD cannabis strain with all of the other rich compounds in it. But are you able to figure out what is that primary compound that is most effective, whether that's CBD or CBG or CBN? Um, and is that important to know? Yes, absolutely. I think this is the heart, the heart of it, the yes. essence of it. Because using a, a, during a, a, our research, we are able to point to the actual working compounds. We talked about the Lego cubes. Mm. Each and every cube, you can see it as, as, a, as a certain compound. And once we extract cannabis and once we fractionate 
the extract and find the active fraction, then we are able to identify what compounds are, are working. And uh, uh, we can identify up to the last molecule what we have in the active combination. So indeed, the essence of this approach is the ability to identify each and every compound from cannabis and then put them together and have the entourage effect. So in this research, what, what, did, what was the primary compound in the plant that was responsible for the cytotoxic effects? turned out in this research that the primary compounds that uh, was active was quite surprisingly THCA. Oh, okay. THCA is the acid form of THC. And usually, uh, once cannabis is being consumed, uh, traditionally, let me say, it's been consumed after or during heating. Of, of the flower or the extract. Mm -hmm. This heating leads to de degradation of the THCA to THC by the process of decarboxylation. So usually people are not, do not consume THC. What we found is that, is that THCA, but not alone, but rather with several other phytocannabinoids, is leading to this high cytotoxic activity. And this really put, puts forth the, uh, the, perhaps the importance of, of, uh, uh, of exploring cannabis compounds, and not only those that are traditionally being consumed. Just one other point is that THCA is not psychoactive. Mm -hmm. This was shown in, a, in a other research studies, and it was published in the scientific literature that uh, this compound is not psychoactive, and this is probably because it does not go through the blood-brain barrier. So if you think of, a, of possible treatment with THCA, then this treatment uh, usually does not carry a side effect uh, that uh, if it, meaning a psychoactive psychoactive side effects but mm -hmm. but if i'm understanding correctly um what you're saying about thca is that it has to if i were to just smoke a cannabis strain um that had thc in it it, it wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily be consuming any thca because it has to be decarboxylated. That's right. Okay. That's right. The THCA is being decarboxylated to THC during the smoking or inhalation. And then you do not consume THCA, basically, just THC. Okay. Okay. So, so I think, wait a minute, I'm confused. So, if I were to, obviously through the burning process of the flower, that is decarboxylation, but that's not sufficient to release THCA, or it is? Just the opposite. When you decarboxylate, then you turn THCA to THC. It means that, uh, that uh, uh, by smoking, uh, you inhale THC only. Even if you had in your joint THCA, the acid form, then the heating turned THCA into THC. Oh, wow. So this means, That's really interesting. This means that when you smoke joint, you do not consume THCA. If THCA is important, then you need to consume it in other ways that do not involve heating. This really leads us, I think, to the, to the delivery of cannabis compounds to the human body. And this is definitely something that should, that attention should be paid to, because in this case, 
for example, you want to consume uh, cannabis, but without heating, without heating the, the flour or the extra. Mm. Then you, you cannot inhale and you can't smoke and you can't bake it. Nevertheless, definitely, you can make a, a, a medicine out of it. For example, you can make uh, tablets or capsules that are cross-digestive and can go through the digestive system and perhaps be released in the colon, for example. By that, you can release THCA, in this example, to the colon itself. Mm. So definitely, I think that for proper treatment of diseases in general by cannabis, we should consider first the composition and second, the appropriate delivery method that will deliver these active compounds to where they should be. Right. And it sounds like you're also trying to figure out how to create like targeted therapy. So we need the THCA to reach the colon in particular in this, if this were to translate into medicine. So, yes. so creating and designing these medicines is also a really key part of um, the process before that they're effective for patients. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We have now collaborations with the other groups uh, uh, in Vulcanic. And uh, in these groups, you asked about collaboration. So this is a very good example of a very good collaboration that we have within Vulcani, with a group that specialized in, in delivery, in targeted delivery of compounds. With them, what we do uh, is we, um, we um, code cannabis compounds with specific proteins that enable targeting of cannabis compounds into, into specific cells. And in this, in this ongoing research, what we're trying to do is indeed, we're trying to pack THCA with these specific proteins that may specifically target the colorectal cancer cells. Mm. So that, that brings me, that segues really nicely into my next question, because I'm wondering what, what is the next phase in this research um, in order to be able to confidently say that cannabis is effective medication in you know, preventing the spread of colorectal cancer cells in humans, because it sounds like your research is looking at the cell lines. So really looking at these cells in a laboratory setting, in a Petri dish, and now to look at them, look at this as medication in humans, how far are we and what are the next phases of research in order for patients to be able to access this confidently as medication? So it is very important uh, to say that we cannot, we can't say that cannabis is anti-cancer drug until we show that in clinical trials. There is quite a, a, a big, a huge gap between in vitro studies, it means in cell lines, and, and the effect uh, on the human body. Therefore, only clinical trials uh, will show if cannabis indeed is able to, to fight cancer. That's very important to say. Mm -hmm. uh, for that, to proceed to, to the, these the essential clinical trials, what we do now is we definitely develop uh, the, the, the methods of delivery of cannabis compounds. And then um, we, we intend to start clinical trials with several hospitals in Israel. And here uh, we are thinking on, on, a, on basically on two populations of, of patients that 
might be might benefit from what we develop and these will be the subjects probably for the clinical trials one would be patients that suffer from from the appearance of uh, of polyps or the reappearance of polyps as uh, some some part of the population suffers from polyps that uh, reappear again and again and more than other parts of the population so definitely uh, this uh, these patients will be uh, will be offered to be subject to clinical try to see if we can prevent the appearance of polyps the other population of patients would be those that had colorectal cancer now, it should be clear that cannabis is not coming and will not come instead of the, uh, of, the of chemotherapy or, uh, or any other uh, treatment being offered by, by, uh, by, uh, by medicine. But rather, uh, what we will check with the medical doctors is the question, may cannabis uh, help? these patients to avoid reoccurrence of, uh, of cancer, of colorectal cancer. Another point that I have to, to say and stress is that cannabis will not come instead of a colonoscopy. Colonoscopy is essential and important and it cannot be replaced in uh, serving for polyp appearance and, of course, in the identification of colorectal cancer. Rather, you look at cannabis as an additional, additional possible, of course, additional treatment uh, to, support, um, to support patients' health uh, and to benefit uh, their treatment. So how similar is a colorectal cancer cell to another type of cancer cell? So, so I think this research is so promising, um, which is, is very, ex very exciting, but, but I'm wondering how we can, or if we can extrapolate these results to other types of cancer cells. Like, would you be able to presume or hypothesize that THCA might be effective in, um, killing breast cancer cells or lung cancer cells, or, or is it a completely different research project that you would have to undergo to make headway on, on that kind of, you know, thought or study? Cancer is not one disease, but rather a, a, a many diseases with the same name. Therefore, we cannot presume that uh, that uh, something that worked for colorectal cancer, at least potentially, will also work potentially for uh, breast cancer. We, for each and every medical indication, exp specific exper experiments should be done. Having said that, definitely, uh, if we start to work on, on, on breast cancer, definitely one of the compounds that we are going to examine is THCA. But again, since these diseases, these cancers are so different from one another, then each um, needs its own uh, examination, own bioassays, again, to identify the active compounds. Yeah. So which, um, other than, so we talked about THCA, what other cannabinoids or uh, phytocannabinoids or, or terpenoids are you really are you excited about or do you think could have powerful medicinal effects that haven't been explored yet? I think uh, the, the answer changes according to the disease or medical condition that, uh, that, uh, that needs the treatment. That's one. And two is that uh, the power is in the combinations. This is where the power is. And uh, we've published uh, only, only recently, uh, I think uh, a month or two months ago, 
we've published another on another type of cancer. This, uh, this uh, study was published in OnkuTarget, um, and uh, it was done in collaboration with Bellingson Hospital with Dermatology Unit. There, we examined the activity of, uh, of cannabis on, uh, on, um, on a, a cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, CTCL. This is a rare disease, uh, yet um, it, uh, it's certainly a cancerous disease of the skin and may progress in some of the cases to lymphoma uh, with a poor prognosis. What we ask with, uh, with uh, Bellinson uh, and the physicians there, what we ask is whether, uh, first of all, whether cannabis can help these patients and kill the cancerous cells, which are T cells uh, of the immune system. And then uh, what we asked is what compounds are working? There, in this case, uh, the answer was different. It was not THCA, but rather it was a certain mixture between CBG and CBD mm. and two additional phytocannabinoids. And uh, what we could see is uh, that with this certain combination, again, we have much higher activity than with each of these compounds and that the activity here was significantly more on cancerous T-cells than on normal T-cells. Here again, we cannot say that cannabis is, is anti-cancer or anti-CTCL until we show that in clinical trials. Here again, we are approaching clinical trials with Bailinson um, examining the, the effectivity of these certain combination of phytocannabinoids first on skin on, on the skin in the in the in, this, in the patches that are formed uh, during in, in the course of this this disease and if this will be helpful then we will go into systemic treatment with these compounds in uh, in cesarean patients that suffer from systemic disease. Mm -hmm. So it's just a, 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 I think a, an example of uh, how the answer is different to different cancer types. Right. And you already have the research that's starting to illustrate that. So mm -hmm. you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation uh, that cannabis can be effective in treating inflammation, which I think inflammation is associated with a lot of different conditions. So I'm wondering if you could talk about some of the specific conditions that might be treated by cannabis based on this research. And um, yeah, and what specific compounds in cannabis are, are responsible for you know, reducing inflammation or preventing inflammation? Yes. So... Uh we started a collaboration on this subject uh, with Mayer Hospital. And in Mayer Hospital, uh, Dr. Dimna Naftali found that uh, once patients are smoking joints, they feel much better in terms of their uh, IBD. IBD, inflammatory bowel diseases, including Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Uh, however, in this case, as in many others, nobody knows exactly what is working, what is helping, what compounds are helping the patients. Uh, once they, uh, the patients are smoking joints, then they consume many different compounds. And uh, nobody could really, or, or nobody knew what compounds are working. And also, unfortunately, uh, Dr. Naftali showed that uh, the, the, this uh, improvement of feeling in patients 
did not was not accompanied by reduction of inflammation in the colon. Yet, uh, we uh, we uh, asked the question whether cannabis can reduce inflammation and what compounds are able to reduce inflammation. And for that, we used both cell lines and biopsies that were taken from IBD patients uh, during colonoscopy. Um, we could find, interestingly, several, not just one, but several combination of cannabis compounds that are able to reduce inflammation. And I have to tell you that uh, some of them, at least, uh, contained CBD with additional compounds that uh, were the best combinations and showed reduction in the level of inflammation. Um, but again, here too, we need to go to clinical trials to show that indeed consumption of cannabis compounds is, uh, is able to reduce inflammation, definitely. Mm -hmm. However, uh, we could show that we, at least in vitro, in cells and ex vivo, in biopsies, we are able to reduce markers of inflammation and by that, possibly to improve condition, the conditions of patients. Here, as we said at the beginning, here again, we cannot talk about curing or healing because this is a genetic disease. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, if we are able to reduce the symptoms of inflammation, then basically we help the patient to live normal life. And I think in this case, this is our target. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's so interesting. And there's probably a lot more to learn there. So I am wondering, I know you have also done more general research on other plants for cancer, anti-cancer activity. Have you identified other plants outside of cannabis that might be effective in uh, killing cancer cells or preventing the spread of cancer cells? And if so, do you think there would be an opportunity to kind of create medications that combine compounds from cannabis and other plants? Uh, indeed, we work on several different plants, and uh, one of them uh, was uh, was uh, was found in ethnobotany, in uh, in folklore. Um, to it, it was suggested in folklore that this is an anti-cancer plant. This plant is ephedra, ephedra, femina. Uh, which is growing wild uh, in Israel and also elsewhere. And a few years ago, it was suggested by, a, by some person uh, that uh, what he reported, that once he started to consume this plant, he, he was uh, healed uh, from uh, his uh, cancer, uh, with or without chemotherapy, it was not clear. But anyhow, um, it, it, it came to be in a way um, that people started to believe that this plant, ephedra, is anti-cancer plant. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is exactly the background that we start from. And what we asked is whether we see indeed cytotoxic or killing activity of extracts of ephedra on cancer cells. And we also checked the, the, the activity of these extracts on normal cells. In this case of ephedra, we found that indeed the extracts are able to kill many different kinds of, of cancer cells. However, they kill normal cells as well. Oh, okay. So yeah, so in this case, uh, this plant is probably toxic, and um, toxic to cells in general, not just specifically targeting cannabis or uh, cancer cells. Cancers, exactly. 
exactly. And kiss. Mm, okay, so that yeah, so that sounds like such a critical part of the research is finding plants or identifying compounds that exclusively um, kill cancer cells and not just have general toxic effects on the entire body. Indeed, this is so important. Yeah. Yes. So, do you have do you have any theories on on why cannabis is able to to be so effective? in targeting, you know, just exclusively cancer cells. I mean, it, it does seem unique in, in that sense that it's able to just have such a specific target. Indeed, uh, this is one of the questions that we ask ourselves. Uh, how come, at least uh, definitely in the case that I was talking about on cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, we were able to show that significantly cannabis is, target, cannabis is targeting the cancer cells and much less the normal cells. We don't know the full answer, it might, but it might be uh, related to the presence of receptors mm. on cancer cells. Uh, as we know, um, at least THC and possibly CBD and perhaps, only perhaps other cannabinoids are being recognized and bind uh, at some level of affinity to, uh, the, to, the, to the cannabinoid receptors. These receptors are being expressed on many cells of our body. And in some cases, they are being expressed at a higher level on cancer cells. What we, uh, uh, and, this, and this is not something we showed, but others showed in many different studies. So just perhaps by expressing more of these cannabinoid uh, receptors, um, cancer cells are more susceptible to cannabis compounds. So it sounds like you have so much uh, promising research happening at the Volcani Institute. So my final question for you is, what would you like to learn going forward? What is your next research project? And if you could, what are the most pressing questions that you have about cannabis and its medicinal effects? We, we are asking, definitely, additional questions about uh, the activity of cannabis and, again, specifying the activity of cannabis against different medical conditions. And, uh, and again, we start from anecdotal evidence that are reported by patients on, on some benefits that cannabis gave to them. And from that, we carry uh, to identify activity, if there is one, and the active compounds. One of the really exciting uh, project, projects we are working on now is on a glioblastoma. This is a horrible type of cancer that, um, that is considered to be, uh, unfortunately, with very poor, poor prognosis patients. Um, what, but yet, you know, there are quite a number of anecdotal data that suggesting that in some of the cases, in, in some of the times when people used cannabis, then their condition was improved. This disease has no, no, no proper treatment as of today. So one of the very exciting projects that we have now in the lab is looking into the ability of cannabis to fight these cells and, and, and the ability of cannabis to prevent a tumor growth and also metastasis. This is one of the key, key uh, 
points, I would say, um, of, of this type of disease that, that they abolish um, efforts uh, to, to heal patients. This is because this, uh, this tumor is highly metastatic. And once a tumor is being, being removed from one part of the brain, as complicated as it is, then it immediately appears in another, other, other parts of the brain. So here, it's not just killing the cells, but rather it's preventing them from making metastasis. When we started to work on these cells, we were amazed because these cells in vitro are able to communicate with each other, which is amazing, right? Able to communicate, to crawl, to move one towards the other, to form aggregates, to start proliferate and to form stem cells in, in, in the form of spheres. And these spheres are the ones that are also formed in brain, in, in, in brains, in, in, and then these are the ones that metastasize and move to other parts of the brain. So here, it is not just killing the cells, but preventing them from making these spheres. And if these spheres were formed, then killing these spheres specifically. This is definitely a challenge, and a, and we are very excited about the results. Again, not to say that cannabis can fight this cancer. Uh, only clinical trials will show that, but definitely, I think that fighting this cancer or such such diseases that have no cure is is the most important thing that we can do. Mm. So when will that research um, paper be published or be available? Do you know? It is still ongoing, this research. I hope that in the upcoming months, we will be able to put together uh, our results for a scientific paper. Mm. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Koltai. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, and, and thank you so much for sharing all of your, your research and, and knowledge with us. Thank you so much, Emily. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It will help other people find us. Cannabis Science Today is so generously supported by the Agricultural Genomics Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to educating the public on scientific research findings on cannabis. If you're interested in donating to this cause or sponsoring an episode of this podcast, where we research a scientific research question or theme of your choice, please contact us through agriculturalgenomics.org.